Praise God. It's good to be here today. It's good to see everyone out. And this is a special day in many, many ways. And so we've got a lot of announcements. Hopefully everyone gets a copy of the bulletin for all the activities that we're going to be having coming up this month. Uh, this morning we're going to have promotion for some of our children. We're looking forward to that. And then on the 20th we have our Father's Day with a special speaker, the Pastor Johnson from Doers of the Word will be here with us for that day, and, and uh, we won't have an evening service. Uh, there's all sorts of things going on with the ladies' ministry, and Cindy Moore's uh, Bible study going on at her house on the 22nd, and uh, don't forget, on the 27th, we're going to have baptismal service, so anyone interested in joining the church or wanting to be baptized, please see Sister Donna and make arrangements so that we're ready for that. So that's very, very important, and next month we've got a leadership luncheon plan, all sorts of things. But every Wednesday we have push, pray until something happens. We want to invite you out to that. God's moving in individuals and also collectively as we do that. So that's an important activity, and so we just praise God for that. And don't forget, we're working on our digital upgrade as we move forward. So... So today's a special day for me, because today Nona and I celebrate our 51st wedding anniversary. And a, a lot of you keep asking me, where did you do with her and where is she? Because she's always back with the toddlers, but this morning she's, yeah, I know, but you're, <laughs> but you're here. They can see you, that I'm not making you up, that I really, I really have a wife. And th there she is, see? Stand up so they can see you. So she's the love of my life, 51 years ago. We obeyed God and said, I do. And God has great plans for you when you obey him. So there's a lot going on, and I just want to encourage everyone to stay involved in, in what's happening. We have a lot of people to pray for. I hear Pastor Jerry might be able to go home today. Hopefully this afternoon, may God be with him and his family and strengthen him and restore him. And not only him, but everyone who has sickness in their body or needs a touch from the Lord. So we have so many people to pray for. Remember to take the bulletin and pray for those on the back uh, and anyone else you know that needs a touch from God. Because the Bible says that the prayer of a righteous man availeth much. And says, when two or three are gathered in my name, there I am in the midst of them. And Jesus said, if ye ask the Father in my name, I will do it. So we have all these promises from God. We need to stand on those promises and speak the word and stand in faith, regardless of what we feel or see, because God's word is true. And so as we do that, we'll see God being faithful to his word, and we'll see wonderful things happen. So if you'll stand, I want to read from Psalm 95 this morning, and then we'll go to prayer. It says, O oh, come, let us sing unto the Lord. Let us make a joyful noise to the rock of our salvation. Let us come before his presence with thanksgiving. Let us make a joyful noise with him with psalms. For the Lord is a great God and a great king over all gods. In his hands are the deep places of the earth and the heights of the mountains are also his. And the sea is his, for he made it, and his hands formed the dry land. Oh, come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel 
before the Lord our maker. For we, for he is our God, and we are his people. We are the people of his pasture and the sheep of his hand. So today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your heart, but open your voice to the Lord that he might come in and dwell with you and encourage you and strengthen you and bring with him the salvation that he's given us in his son Jesus. For today is a day of celebration as we go before the Lord our God and give him praise in Jesus' name. Amen.
Hallelujah, you have overcome. 
Has the lost become the found? And you can never be defeated, for you wear the victor's crown. You are Jesus the Messiah, you are the hope of all the world. And by your grace I live and breathe to worship you. So
we were talking, we were preaching to the youth. You know, Gideon, the first command that the Lord gave him was to go tear down the high places. You know, Gideon had to beat the spiritual battle before he had to go fight the physical battle. And he didn't even fight that physical battle. The Lord took care of it. Amen? Man, we have got, whoo, hallelujah. We have got to fight this spiritual battle. And Jesus has already won it. We just have to put our faith in him. Hallelujah. Every high thing must come down. Every stronghold must be broken. But he wears the victor's crown. Amen. Give him praise this morning. Every high thing must come down. Every stronghold shall be broken. You wear the victor's crown. You overcome. You overcome. Every high thing must come down. Every stronghold shall be broken. You wear the victor's crown. You overcome. to you is my 
Jesus said, I stand at the door and knock. If you let him in, he will come with the Father and the Spirit. And he will sup with you and be close to you. What a privilege we have to know our God. We give him praise. Well, in everything, there is a season and a time. We're always reminded of that, especially at the end of the year when we have graduations and promotions. And this morning, we have a promotion here. In the church, we have a couple of young people that are moving on to the next phase of their walk with the Lord. And so uh, we'll ask uh, Brother to come and Sister Nona and uh, Brother uh, Adam to come as well. And uh, we'll let them uh, explain the promotion for our, for our youngsters.
pretty big fellow if he could find his mom in the midst of all that. So at this time, we'll ask our ushers to come forward as they would, please. So the Bible teaches us that everything we do, we should do it unto the Lord. And as he's the one that gives us the power to get wealth, and he's the one that meets all of our needs, everything that we need for life and for godliness. And so as we go to the Lord in prayer this morning, let's remember that it's he who gives us all the things that we need. And we give back to him in thanksgiving for his purpose and for his kingdom, that his name might be glorified. So, Father, we come before you this morning with our tithes and our offerings, and we give them with a cheerful heart of thanksgiving and praise to your name. And Father, we thank you for all the good things that we have in Jesus. We thank you for healing and deliverance and salvation. And so, Father, as we release these blessings upon your family and upon your children, we sow this seed into your kingdom that it would produce fruit a hundredfold for your purpose and for your glory, for we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So with that, we'll invite our children to go to Children's Church this morning. I know my heart's open and ready to hear the word. His pastor comes. I'm sure yours is too. Let's give him a welcome as he comes. Amen. Uh, good to see everybody. Excited to be here with you today. Uh, excited you're here. We know folks are out. This is the time of year people get scattered and travel, and uh, we 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 understand that and welcome it we think you need time with family and we think it's important to get away and get a break uh we're trying to figure out in 2022 when debbie and i are going to get that but uh just kidding we're, we're doing great uh we actually worked on the house had a lot uh a, a, a lot of help through the week and uh, we're hoping that well we're not hoping we're moving furniture in next friday so uh this coming friday so we're excited about that uh, <coughs> probably going in the basement, but anyway, um, I'm going to remind you of a few things. Uh, oh, by the way, oh, it, it wasn't it great to have music back? 
Can we give all of our musicians and our singers a hand? They are so important to us. We made it without y'all last week. Uh, how do you say that? Begrudgingly? Like, we, we, we did what we had to. We're glad y'all are back. Uh, I could have preached longer, but, I, well, I preached a long time anyway. <clears throat> I will remind you of a few things. Uh, the first thing is uh, media upgrade inc- funds are coming in. We're doing great. Last week we were at $4,300 out of the $6,550, so we just praise God for that. It's coming in. Uh, we'll send you an update on that through email so you have something that you can see and read about it. Uh, but uh, thank you so much for the support that you're providing and helping us. And we should have, we sh- we're working towards the installation that we have received and purchased everything. We have it in hand. Uh, the board made a decision to go ahead and buy. And so we've bought, we have it all uh, ready to be installed. We got to do a little bit of a modification in our booth back there because we, we never see Amy. Y'all look back. You don't see Amy back there. She's back there. There she is. So we're going to get it where you can see her and just, you know, so she can see us and that kind of stuff. So we're going to do a few modifications and get everything set. Uh, wanted to have it before Father's Day. I don't know if that's going to happen. We'll have it before the end of the month, guaranteed. Uh, and so all of our online people, hang on, hang on. It's coming. It's coming. We're, it's going to be great. I'm, I'm going to talk about my brother from another mother. Uh, that's AJ. He'll be here Sunday. Uh, uh, Arthur Johnson, Pastor Doers of the Word. I actually uh, uh, was just piddling and doing some stuff on my computer this week, and um, was just look, I was looking him up just to see because he's sort of hard to find. Um, not once you meet him, he's not hard to find, but online he's hard to find. And so I was reminded, found uh, an article that was written about me and him uh, in 1990, uh, I believe it was 98 in Charisma Magazine about the things we were doing downtown in Woodlawn. And uh, so our, our, our life and our experience goes way back. Uh, uh, and the, the, the uniting of our churches and our ministries and how we've always approached it. Uh, and when he gets here, y'all are going to see what I'm talking about. AJ's easy to love. He is a, and a super communicator. Uh, him and Ann have been close friends of ours for a long, long time. And I'm excited about Sunday. It's going to be a great Father's Day. He's going to bring a great word to us. And so I'm excited about that. Hope you make plans either online or in, to be in service, uh, in person uh, for next Sunday. Last couple of things. Hey, we're excited. We got, and I know this is a repeat, but I just felt like I need to repeat a few things. Membership and baptism Sundays next Sunday. If you're not a part of the church, this would be a great opportunity to join us and become a part of the body of the of the membership. You say, what does that provide me? Well, that provides you the ability as we're making decisions about the the, the future of the church <coughs> to be excuse me to be a voting member, to be a part of the decision-making process. Uh, It connects you a little deeper into who we are and what we do here. Uh, So membership does that. If you've never been baptized and you've accepted Christ as your Savior and Lord, what baptism is is what we call the next step. Uh, It's the next step. It's an identification with Christ that we encourage every believer to do, and we encourage it because we believe the Scripture teaches it, okay? And so baptism is a next step process within the life of a believer. And so that'll happen next Sunday at the end of service. If you have family and friends, it's a great thing to bring. 27, 27. Thanks, honey. So two weeks from now, Debbie's giving me. Land that thing, boy, land that thing. 
So the 27th. Uh, thank you, honey. Uh, and then last, so excited about this, getting incredible feedback already about it. Rangers and Girls Club Ministries are set and targeted to begin no later than September the 1st, which is a Wednesday night of this year. Uh, it'll take place on Wednesday nights. It'll be uh, a gender-specific gender ministry that'll take place to our boys and our girls. And as a church, we have a responsibility to teach and train up our children the way in which they're to go. And I think what we see happening in America is because we have failed to teach as a church. We're not going to be guilty of that at Evangel. Amen? We're not going to be guilty of that. We're going to take time to train up the boys uh, to be godly men, to train up the girls to be godly women, to understand their, their relationships and their role of, in, in service and ministry and life who they are, how God created them, who he has intended and purpose for them to be as a child of God and as a believer in Christ. And so we're going we're gonna to take and add to what we do in children's ministries that's happening right now by bringing it into a very specific training and experience. So uh, we're excited about that. You've received an email. You should have responded back if you want to serve in either as a leader or an assistant. We need two per class. There's going to be... Plenty of room. Con just email back. If you didn't get an email, see Donna at the end of service. We would love to begin to give you information about that. So, here we go. How are you doing on your goals? How are you doing on your goals? So, we began January with something that Debbie and I have been practicing for about three years. Y'all thought I'd forget about that, never mention that again. Y'all were good, you no nothing to worry about. It's called 10 in 21. We've done 10, 8, or 10, 19, 10, 20, 10 in 20. So if you're coming in since the first year, you may not have heard much about it because we talked about it through January. But what we are doing is we asked everyone at a part of Evangel to join us and to fill out what their 10 goals for 2021 would be. So you wrote down goals. You say, uh, are you talking about like uh, the stuff, the resolution? No, no, no resolution to this. No, 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 no. Not resolutions. Resolution is something you resolve to change from last year. I don't, look, you should have already addressed that. These are goals. What do you want to accomplish this year? What do you want to see? What, what's it look like? Personal goals, work goals, anything. You can create, you, it's not, we, had, we did not dictate what it was. I've got my 10, I'm, I've done one, we, have a, we sold and bought a house. That was, uh, and, and mine was modified in March, so I'm making confessions to you. I modified mine in March whenever the decision was made in February by Brother Jared retiring, and then they, we were asked to try out when we were voted in. I sort of went in at the end of February, 1st March, Lord, if we get voted in, I'm going to change this one. So I changed, wrote that. And so we were able to sell, we bought now, and now we hope to get moved in. So... So I've got a few, I've got one, i got about three of them that I put a, a, a halfway mark. So I had a few that I had like two stage type stuff that I wanted to do something and it was a couple of things that were the same. I can't, I'm not, I mean, I'll tell you when I'm, I won't go to the beach twice this year with my wife. And, and so we did one of them. We did one of them. It was cold. 
horrible timing, but hey, that's the way our anniversary falls, and so we did it for our anniversary, and so we would like to do one more of those, so I'm halfway there on that one. So I got several that are halfway. I got one a third. Uh, I got some that I had nothing on, so I'm just making confessions here. Uh, I have worked a little bit. Uh, I, write, I like to write thoughts about men's ministry, and so I do that some periodically, probably about once every other week. I'll put thoughts down about what the Lord's saying to me about men, about men's ministry. So there's things that I'm doing. Uh, there's other things that I, I, that I won't tell you you couldn't pry it out of me. Uh, but my point is we should be working on our goals, right? So I encourage you, if you didn't do 10 and 21, do 5 and 21. I don't care. We're halfway through the year almost. So do whatever you need to do to get involved and begin to think about what it is that you want to accomplish. Uh, I asked that about the 10 and 21 uh, because... I came across this question a few years ago, and I'll, I'll share this with you. I came across this question that said this, if you were doomed to live the life that you're living for eternity, would you choose the life that you're living now? Doomed is a hard word. I did not like that when I read it the first time because it makes it sound like I don't like the life I've got. Uh, I love the life I've got, so yes, I would live it again. Uh, the, the question, though, um, the, the writer went on to sort of highlight and unfold this question a little bit, and he went on to say this. The question is interesting enough, but the point of asking is really the unspoken, potentially devastating follow-up question. I was like, whoa. So uh, I, I, I thought, what is that? And went on and found that he said, if the answer is no, then why are you living the life you're living now? I mean, if the answer is no, why do you keep doing the same thing? <laughs> right, right? Uh, uh, stop making excuses. He said, do something about it. And so the fact is, I can't change once I'm gone from this life, but I can do something different now. I can address things in my life now. Um, uh, I can call a do-over in areas. I can call a do-over. I want to do-over. I want to do it different. I want, you know, it, it sounds simple. It's probably not. But um, I, I, from that, I began to think, pray, and uh, um, really sort of settled a couple of things. Um, and that is, what do we do when we can't do anything about our life? What do we do when we can't do anything? What do we do when there are no other alternatives, when, there, when our life seems Hopeless, because I think people find themselves in that state at times. Find themselves at a point in, the, in life where they don't think they can change. I don't think so. They want to give up. You may want to give up this morning. You may want to give up. You're watching online. You may be at a point where you just feel like there's no hope. There's nothing can change. There's nothing you can do about where you are. Um, and that's why I'm going to take you to Mark chapter five because there was a father who found himself in that place. I want to take you through his life right quick, and then we're going to get to a couple of thoughts about him and about the situation he was in. I'm going to talk some about me and Debbie and the experience we had along with this that I think was a, 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 a just shows how impatient human beings we are. Um, verse 21, listen to what this says, Mark chapter 5. Jesus got into the boat again and went back to the other side of the lake where a large crowd gathered around him on the shore. Then... A leader of the local synagogue, whose name was Jairus, arrived. When he saw Jesus, he fell at his feet, pleading fervently with him, My little daughter's dying. He said, Please come and lay your hands on her. Heal her so she can live. Um, 
And, and so immediately when I, you read that, you begin to look at that, the question has to surface what you do when life seems hopeless because it's sort of where this father was at. Uh, you, 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 gotta, you, you, you get the, in these places where you have no control over circumstances. There are things that are happening that are outside of your ability to respond to and correct or change. So what do you do with that? You do what he did. You do, you do what this father did. You do what this, this synagogue leader did. Uh, uh, you go to Jesus and you trust him with your problems, right? You go to Jesus and you trust him with your problems. You go to the father who loves you and has shown his love to you by sending his son. Now, now you got to take a couple things into account here. Uh, as a synagogue ruler, this guy was responsible for the for basically the physical management of the synagogue and uh, for the worship services and performing and presenting those worship services. So he was he had a he had been elevated to a pretty high place. He is in a pretty high, visible, responsible place as a synagogue leader. And and what we began to see about him <clears throat> is he was probably also a very respected leader in the community. I mean, he he was a guy that was looked up to. Uh, you know, just quickly to comment on that, um, he was alone in this. Mark 3, verse 6 says all the rest of the rulers wanted to kill Jesus. But he was in a little different place than they were. Um, when, when, when hell comes knocking at your door, it'll change you. When the devil's haunting you night and day and you realize you don't have any control over what he's doing, which is attacking the daughter that he had, that he loved, that he cherished, it'll change you. It'll change your actions. It'll change your words. It'll change your attitude. It'll change you. And it becomes evident when you read this story right there, he reached a point where he had been changed. He probably had been a part of that group that believed that Jesus was against them, that he was against who they were, that he could not be the Messiah. He had probably heard all the stories. But i tell you what else he had seen and heard. He had seen Jesus heal. He had seen Jesus do miracles. He had seen and witnessed Jesus perform and do works that he couldn't do, that they had talked about, that they believed, believed, Mm, that they had sort of believed, sort of, that God would do, but he was they weren't able to do it, and Jesus was doing it. And so at some point, he, was, he had to pull himself out of that crowd. At some point, he had to separate himself from that thought process, and he had to come to terms with the fact that his only hope was Jesus. And he had reached that point. And he didn't care what his peers thought. It becomes evident because here he is, Jesus arrives on the shoreline. There were crowds of people there because they heard Jesus was coming because he was already attracting crowds everywhere he went. And the first thing he does is what? He backs everybody up and he says, hold on, I'm a synagogue leader, give me room. No, he didn't. He fell on his knees. He surrendered himself in the presence of the only one who was able to do anything for him at this point in this need, in, this, in these circumstances. And he said, please come. You know, 
there comes a time when I think all that matters is what God has to say, what God can do, what, 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 what God sees. And I think it matters what he sees in us. I think it matters what he sees about our circumstances. Uh, our, our number one goal, so I brought the goals up because I want to say this, our number one goal should be to draw closer to God this year. Thanks for playing that, by the way, at the end of the worship. Uh, we, we had a professional sing it last Sunday at the end of the service on CD. But we pre- it was better live, by the way. Just to be close to you, that's all that matters, right? That's where we, we sort of scratch all those things that we thought were important because we realize those things aren't near as important as we thought they were, and we write in as our number one goal, I just want to get closer to you, Lord. Whatever it takes, whatever it takes, I just want to get closer to you. Don't worry about what your friends think. Don't worry about, don't worry about what those people that you're that might look down on you think. You got to believe God for life change. That's what we're after. That's what we're after. Yet some of you are in a spot this morning. You say, "I've been doing that. I've been doing that, brother David. I've been praying. I've been believing for life change, but nothing's happening. Nothing is happening." which is the course I sort of want, I felt like the Lord took me today, and that is what happens when we believe and we don't see God working? We don't see results. What happens? What happens? Uh, we believe, but there's this, there's a, there seems to be a delay. There seems to be nothing going on. What, what, what do we do? What do we do? Well, we believe even when it delays. I'm going to take you through some. First, I'm going to tell a story about me and Debbie. So, uh, back in 2018, I'm going to get a swap. Back in 2000, and I apologize for my throat, still recovering from this stuff. Back in 2018, at Christmas, Debbie and I decided we'd go down and check on our two sons. At that time, Matt was living down in uh, Daytona, Miles was there. And so, we thought for Christmas, we'd go down. So, we pull out, leave on a Friday morning. We get down into Daytona on Friday at about 7 p.m. in the after, in the evening. So we call Miles. Debbie and I both, we're, you know, we're always looking for a good place to eat. Found one last night, by the way. Um, so we're always looking for a good place to eat. And so we, we were, we, there was this, this Italian restaurant that we uh, uh, had uh, uh, found online. It had a lot of good reviews and everything. So we called Miles. Miles, who had been living down there a couple of years, what do you know about this restaurant? Oh, it's a great restaurant. So, oh, hey, I'm in for a great restaurant, you know. So we get out of them. So we make a plan. We pick them up. We go to this restaurant. We show up. It's a, it's a local restaurant, Italian restaurant. It, it, you know, it was just going to be great. So we, we get out. There's five of us. There, and so we get out and and we go in, and when we go in, uh, there's, there's just about a third full, and there's big, two big rooms with the walls sort of separated, and they were serving both rooms, and we, people sitting all around the outer rooms, but there were some big tables in the middle of each one of them, so we went on the side where the serving was happening, coming in and out, and we sat down on one of these, at one of these tables, and we're all five of us at an eight-person table. We sit down, we're excited about it, you know, we're talking and everything, so we're catching up and everything. So five minutes rolled by, these two waitresses, they're waiting, they're going, they're just, you know, ten minutes rolled by and they hadn't even spoke to us. We're really, it's, you know, 
It's really turned into a good restaurant now. <laughs> Y'all know what I'm talking about. Don't you? I mean, give me something. Give me a wink. Give me a nod. Give me a napkin. Do something. It rocks on. We're talking. By this time, we're all a little. I mean, we've been in a car for nine hours. You know, it's, we're, we're, a little, we're a little tense. We're getting a little tenser. At 15 minutes, it happens. At 15 minutes in, we're sitting there, and a group of 10 pull up and get out and walk in and sit in the other side. By the time they sat down, one of the waitresses immediately goes over and she starts taking her drink order. So we, with the best smile we could put on our face, get up, slide the chairs up. We haven't been spoke to. They haven't even, even called our names. Slide the chairs up. We get. We walk out. Uh, that was me and Debbie. No, <laughs> Michael, Matt Miles. They were a little. But anyway, we got. We we got we we left. Uh, what why is that? What what am I getting at here? Um, I think we all agree that just a hey, I see you. Would have helped. Would have changed the whole environment. Would change the whole outcome of that moment. Just a hey, I'll be right with you. Sorry for the delay. I'm, we're coming. Just give me something. Just give me a little something. So the question is, how do we trust when God seems slow in coming? What do we do about it if it's, if it's, if it's God? What are we doing about it if, if it's a, if, I mean, I guess I could have got up and served myself, but I wasn't intended to. It wasn't meant for me to do that. My belief was that they were going to take care of me when I walked in. And our belief about God is that he's going to take care of us, right? So what do we do when he's sort of slow in coming? How do we hang in there when, he, when, when we don't see or hear any answers or, or we don't, we're, not, we're not getting the results that we're expecting? What do we do when you're, what do you do when you're at the end of your rope believing for someone who seemed to have no rope left? They, they, they got nothing. This little girl, this man's daughter had no more rope. And then he was hanging on the end of his rope. There, That's what, that's the situation for this father right here. Put yourself in his shoes. You're desperate for Jesus' presence. Your little girl's at the point of death. You need Jesus to heal her now, right now, right now, before it's too late. And so he falls at the feet of Jesus. He heads out. They start on their way. There's this, all this crowd's going on. There's the pressing in on him, slowing him down. He's... Want them to move faster. The disciples probably have sensed the urgency, and so they're they're working to move Jesus in a direction. Then then it happens, just like in the story I told you about us. Then it happens. What happens? This woman with this issue of blood shows up. This woman. So so who's who's whose needs were more important? Whose needs were more important? Was the woman with the issue of blood her need more important? Or is the, ba the child, this baby, this little girl, this daughter's need more important? The man's need for him to do something about this child. Uh, verse 25, a woman in the crowd suffered for 12 years with constant bleeding. We know this about this story, and you've heard it before. She, was, she had a, uh, it's believed, a chronic menstrual uh, disorder, which had made her unclean, according to the law of that day, according to the Old Testament law. And so that 
caused everyone to basically push her out, to make her an outcast. It ostracized her with her family, with, with her community. Anyone who touched her was considered unclean. So she was desperate. We know the story about her. She had spent everything she had. She was trying to get well. She was on her way home to die. Basically, she was told to give it up. Uh, but, but let's go back to the father for a second. From the father's point of view, this woman's issue probably wasn't near as urgent as his daughter's. She was still up moving. The daughter was in the bed. She was still hopeful that she could find an answer. The daughter was dying, basically. I mean, so we, we recognize uh, her need probably, it would seem like, could have waited until after Jesus took care of his daughter, but she didn't know that. 26 through 30, read this way. She had suffered a great deal from many doctors, and over the years she had spent everything she had to pay them, but she had nothing. She had gotten no better. In fact, she had gotten worse. She had heard about Jesus, so she came up behind him through the crowd and touched his robes. For She thought to herself, I can just touch his robe, I'll be healed. Immediately the bleeding stopped, and she could feel in her body that she had been healed of her terrible condition. I don't even have this in the notes, but isn't it amazing when Jesus touches you? When his power ministers healing. Uh, just a, what was it, a, last week or a week before last, David, that we prayed for you and you'd been hurting. And at the end of the prayer, you said, man, immediately we felt, I felt the change, the pain gone away. Isn't it amazing when Jesus heals? Jesus realized at once that healing power had gone out, of, out from him. So he turned around in the crowd and asked, who touched my robe? <laughs> so <laughs> real quick, this guy, this father, this synagogue leader, this man who was respected by a lot of people who they were looking at wondering what he was doing, uh, had to be frustrated, had to be like we were in the restaurant, feeling like things were interrupting or interfering with what he had set as his goal, as his plan, the, the pace that he had wanted, the, the, this, this slow progress, the lack of urgency, the uncertainty, the unknown about his daughter. What's Jesus doing? Why is he not moving? I mean, surely he understands. Uh, he had to be thinking, no, 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 don't, don't, don't stop, don't stop. But Jesus stopped. Who touched me? There is the crowd. No, wait, wait, wait. My daughter needs you now. He had to be thinking all that. Can you, can you imagine the thoughts going through his head? Even the disciples didn't understand what Jesus was doing. It tells us in verse 31, his disciples said to him, look at the crowd pressing around you. How can you ask who touched me? Look, there's, there, their point was this. Their point was everybody's touching you, Jesus. His point was, not everyone is touching me by faith. Now, there's a lot of folks crowding around Jesus. We've talked for six weeks about the circles of relationship. And we've talked for six weeks about getting to the one. The difference in the large crowd and the one is faith. The difference in the large crowd, the difference in the 5,000, the difference in the 70 and the 12 and the 3 is the depth in which they'll believe for, for God. They'll believe in God. They'll believe in his power. They'll believe in his plan. They'll believe in what he has said. They'll believe by what they have seen. She had heard. She had only heard of Jesus, but she had heard enough to think, you know what, if I just touch him, if I just touch his robe, 
Look, there's no power in his clothes. It wasn't about his clothes. Matter of fact, when we look at this and we begin to try to, uh, try to wrap our mind around it, your faith is what moves mountains. The scriptures tells us that. Your faith is what causes God to draw near. Draw near to me and I'll draw near to you. What is it? Your faith is what attracts heaven's presence. Your faith, your faith, your belief, your belief that God does care, that he is, he is close to you, that he, that he responds to those who seek him. Verse 32, but he kept on looking to see who had done it. I'm going to say to you this morning, God's looking for someone to step up and own their healing, own their deliverance, own their salvation, own their answer to prayer. God's here this morning looking, looking. He's looking. He's looking around for someone to own what they've already received. He's already purchased everything. We sing that song that he's a way maker, right? Light in the darkness. God has made a way for us through his son, Jesus. All we have to do is believe and receive what he has already obtained for us through Jesus Christ. God has made a way for us. All we have to do is accept it and believe she believed that if she could just touch his robe, that she would be healed. She declared what she believed was true based off of what she had seen and heard of Jesus. Verse 33 and 34 says, Then the frightened woman, trembling at the realization what had happened to her, came and fell to her knees and in front of him and told him what she had done. And he said to her, Daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace. Your suffering is over. I told you there's no magic in his clothes. It, the, it was her faith in Jesus and what she had heard, what she had, what she had seen, what she believed he could and would do that had made her well. So, so what I want you to understand is that a lot of folks, a lot of folks gather around Jesus. The question is, will you be the one who puts your faith in Jesus? Will you be the one who believes what he has said? Because I think that's what sets this apart. Faith makes all the difference right here. Faith makes all the difference. Your belief in what he is, who he is makes all the difference. What are you looking for this morning? So that's, that's, that's what I need to ask. What are you looking for this morning? That's what the Spirit of the Lord was saying. Love, you're looking for love, you're looking for healing, you're looking for deliverance. Are you looking, are, what are you looking for? Your spouse? believing for their salvation or their healing, your child, believing for them to come back home or to, to, to how, gain direction from God for their life, your, or maybe a friend, maybe somebody that's, that's in need that's come to you. This woman found everything she was looking for when she put her faith in Jesus. Jesus told her, your faith has made you well. devil's tormenting you. Your faith is what will make you free. Your belief in Jesus and his power to heal you and deliver you. That's, that's what we're talking about. Basically what he was saying there when he said your faith has made you well go in peace. I think he was basically saying to her your faith has saved you. 
our faiths our faith i mean jesus is the one who's made a way for us but our belief in what he has done is critical our belief in what he has done is the step towards the salvation that we're looking for the 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 help the hope her faith saved her from the physical sickness she had endured for 12 years. Her faith saved her from the spiritual separation in the life to come that, that was changed the moment she believed in him because she was, she was lost without Jesus. She was dying without him. Faith in Christ makes all the difference. Let me get back to him. Let me get back to him right quick. The, not Jesus, but the, the Father, the synagogue leader. Let me get back to him right quick. The, here this guy is. He's a man. He's a husband. He's a father. He's a community leader. He's all these things. I think two things. I think he found two things to be true about Jesus in this moment, okay? And so I'm going to give you these, and then we're going to just pray. I just want you to think about what you have discovered in Christ by faith. I want you to think about if you're in a place of delay. You've been praying for something, nothing's happening. And you're in a place of delay. It seems like he's not doing anything. First off, let me just tell you right up front, he's at work to will and do of his pleasure. You can trust him. He's working out uh, his plan for you. So I, I, I encourage you in that. But, but here's, what I, I, here's what I believe about this guy, that he... Uh, he, he learned, I, I think, two very important lessons about God and about God's work through Christ and what he was doing at that moment um, that I think probably strengthened him in his belief. The first thing he learned was this. He learned that Jesus is no respecter of persons when it comes to faith. You know how I believe that? Why I believe that? Because here he had come, fell at his, the feet of Jesus. He Jesus had to know that he was a synagogue leader. Jesus had to know that he could have been leading him into some kind of trap. Jesus had to know all of these things, but he recognized something about him that was different. He recognized the sincerity, the broken. He recognized faith in this man. He recognized faith. He recognizes faith in us. He recognizes faith in us. So this guy, this, this synagogue leader, he saw that Jesus really does care about all kinds of people because he's moving along. He's this, he's this well-respected, influential person, and in the middle of the journey, an outcast touches him, and Jesus stops for him. So it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter what you have. God loves you. That's what we see here. God wants to respond to you. God wants to show himself strong to us. The second thing we see is this. He learned Jesus is not confined to time like we are. Um, this is the hardest reality for us probably. But Jesus is never in a hurry. Somebody say amen. He's never in a hurry. He's just not in a hurry, especially when it comes to caring for people. <coughs> he was moving along with him. All of a sudden, this woman with this issue of blood touches him. He stops everything. He gets questioned by the very people he's invited to follow him. <laughs> say amen. You look at your kids and say, because I said so. <laughs> amen. But he's looking for her, you know, who touched me. <laughs> Everybody's touching you. No, no, you don't understand. 
Somebody touched me. Who touched me? Who touched me? And she had felt the power of God took part of her. And here's this synagogue leader just in a panic to get him to his daughter. Listen, he's not constrained by time. I'll give you a thought. Jesus is no slave to the urgent. Okay? He's no slave to the urgent. God is not a slave to the urgent. God is not confined to the moment. He is the moment. He is Lord, period, of all, period. He is. As a rule, we don't like to wait. Me and Debbie especially, y'all have already heard our story. Not for waitresses, not for food, not for doctors, not even for the Lord. But I think I'm learning as I grow older and hopefully wiser. Jesus, let me say it this way. Jesus' delays are not denials. Jesus' delays are to bring delight. Jesus' delays in our life are not denials. His delays are to bring delight. Okay? When the scripture tells us that he, that, that, that he will will and do of his good pleasure, his pleasure becomes our pleasure. When he does it his way, it becomes delightful for us because we know no one or no thing, nothing else could have done what just happened. It's him. Ultimately, it's him. We, we give him the praise. A guy named J. Hudson Taylor, 19th century English missionary to China made this statement. He said, if we are willing, if we're, if we, if we are kept waiting, let me say it his way, if we are kept waiting, the spiritual blessing that is the outcome is far more precious than the exemption from the trial. We'll let that set for just a second. If we're kept waiting, the spiritual blessing that is the outcome of the wait is far more precious than exemption from the trial. In other words, if you're in a trial and God's delayed, what you get from it is far more precious than if he would have just took you out and you wouldn't have ever seen it or felt it or experienced it. Romans 8, 24 and 25. I'm going to read it to you from the New Living Translation first. It says, we are given this hope when we were saved. If we already have something, we don't need to hope for it. But if we look forward to something we don't yet have, we must wait patiently and confidently. All right, I'm going to read it to you from the message. You, I'm fixing to blow your mind. You ready? Waiting does not diminish us any more than waiting diminishes a pregnant mother. We are enlarged in the waiting. We, of course, don't see what is enlarging us, but the longer we wait, the larger we become, and the more joyful our expectancy. What has God put in you that he is trying to grow out of you? What is the delay doing right now? What are you praying for and pushing for and believing for that you think, well, God's just, where, is, where are you, Lord? What are you doing? Yet the whole time he is at work. He is moving. He is growing you, growing you, getting something ready for you. 
so that when the moment comes, when that thing is, that you, whatever that thing is that you're waiting for, what are you waiting for? What do you need to stay on course, uh, to stay in the fight, to, to remain true, to finish strong? What is it that you need? What are you desperate for this morning? God, God I believe you, you might feel the frustrating, frustration of waiting. We all feel frustration in waiting. We all, it's, because it's our nature. We, man, the greatest thing ever created in the, in the world was the drive-through at a fast food restaurant, right? The drive-through. The problem is the drive-through became the worst thing ever for us because now we think we get drive-through when we walk inside. It ought to be immediate. And I get frustrated in a drive-through. Don't I mean we're horrible now. Let's just get that out there. I am anyway. I don't know about y'all. Y'all probably have something else you're doing. You're probably the person in front of me that's on their phone, just not even a care in the world. Two cars have pulled up. <laughs> what do you what I mean? I believe God's word to you this morning is I see you. I know where you are. I'm at work. You can trust me. I believe this whole picture is just so that we see where we are this morning. So you can see. I mean, he's saying to you, I'm coming. You just hang on. I'm coming. Don't get impatient. Don't walk out. Don't throw your hands up. Don't get mad. Just keep knocking. Keep expecting. Keep looking. Keep believing. Keep trusting. I'm going to show up. That's what he's saying. I'm going to show up. Father, we just take this moment right now and we consider what we are waiting for. We consider this morning, in this moment, what we are waiting for. And what is that, Lord? What is that? Because ultimately this father, though he believed he was waiting for his daughter's healing, what he was really waiting for was you. And though we are asking you for a lot of things, what we are ultimately waiting for is you. It's you, Lord. You're who we need. You're, you're the one we are leaning into this morning. You're the one who has called us out and into a place that's new, that's expectant, that's full of life. And that though we haven't seen it yet, we haven't experienced it yet, we can be confident that we will see it, that we will experience it. For the one we're praying for, for the one we're believing for, for the struggle that we're in today, whoever, whatever their struggle is, it's not doesn't matter what they have, it doesn't matter who they are, it matters who you are and what you offer to them today. Whether they're in person or they're online right now, God, you see them. And you're saying to them this morning, I see you. I'm coming to you. Trust me. Trust me. With every head bowed, every eye closed, is that you this morning? Are you believing God for something? 
Is there something that you have been waiting on that you haven't seen yet? You've been a little discouraged and you're just a little questioning in your heart. God, do you hear me? Are you, are you going to answer me? I mean, if that's you, just put your hand up there and back down. If that's you, you've got some. I see several hands, several people here. You believe in God for something. You're asking him for something. Matter of fact, I'm going to take this a step further. And if you're here this morning and you've never accepted Christ, and that's somehow you need to put faith in him this morning. This is a moment. This is a day of salvation for you. If that's you and you need to accept Christ as your Savior and Lord, this is the day. You've been waiting, looking for the moment, looking for, for the moment that he would say, your faith has saved you. Today he's saying that. Believe in him. Trust him. Trust him. Put your faith in him. Father, you saw every head raised. You've so, you know our hearts, God. There's nothing hidden here from you. Lord, I think that every person here, you're saying to them, you're speaking to them about how you see it, not how they see it. When we see it, we're in the crowd. We're trying to get down the path. We're trying to move you to something. When in reality, God, you're, you're looking down into this. You're, you've got the view from above, and you see tomorrow today. You're in tomorrow today. We can trust you. We can trust you to do what you do best, which is love us and show yourself strong to us. We can trust you for that. Be that present help in time of need for every person who raised their hand. We ask it in Jesus' name. Will you stand with me? Hallelujah. Hey, look, if you raised your hand or if you didn't and you've got a physical need, uh, we want to just take a minute and pray. We got time. We're about 10 minutes out from 12. If you're here this morning, you just need somebody to agree with you over what you raised your hand. You don't have to tell what it is. You just want to come and bring that to the altar and just like the woman, you're just here to touch the hem of his garment. You're here to touch his robe. Your faith is alive. Your faith is at work in you right now. Your faith is, is, is energized right now because of what his word has told you, what he's declared to you today through this message. And you know God's at work. You just want to confirm, God, I trust you. I believe that you're at work. I just... I just want to invite you to bring that to the altar to let me agree with you in prayer. We're going to we'll pray with you if you have an urgent need that you want to name. And then it also, if you're physically battling something, what a great day to be healed. What a great day to be healed. Amen. So I want to just open this altar. If that's you and you need prayer, will you come? Hallelujah.
for a second. The Bible says, and Keith told us this morning, quoted this verse to us, the fervent prayer of a righteous person avails much. If you'll join us in fervent prayer, we're going to pray for these people. We're going to believe God to touch and to minister to their needs. Uh, I ask you to just remain with us. We'll close in just a few minutes, uh, but let's pray. Father, you. 